Sports Section Morning now Show. Now you heard of The Sports Section Morning Show. TFTV Sports. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Sports Section Morning Show, Episode Twenty One, September First, September One, baby. Twenty Twenty Three is almost over. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Seemed like it just started. New Year's is just around the corner. Now we almost here around the September. But you know what that means? That means football season is right around the corner, man. Good time of year. Weather good outside. It ain't eighty or ninety degrees when you wake up outside. A nice, smooth little fifty-five, sixty degrees. You can't complain about that shit, man. You can't complain about it. The only thing you can complain about is going into work. But it's a Friday, and we got a long weekend, so you ain't even got to do that shit on Monday. So, man, let's get it going. Let's get it going. Let's talk Titans. We're going to talk Titans, of course, when we get get started. Let me pull up this agenda. So, of course, you know, I was on Twitter yesterday at TV on Twitter yesterday talking about the, you know, the Kyle Phillips conundrum. You know, I, I guess that's what we're going to call it. But this this fella here, this fella here, man, you know, so we got we got guys on Twitter that are still clamoring for him to be a punt returner. Ain't no fucking way you didn't play football in your life if you think Kyle Phillips should be a punt returner. You can't. You couldn't have. Have you seen the punt returners that we've had in the last couple of years, how mangled up they was by the end of the year? That's one of the most physical positions on the football field. You know, you're 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 basically a damn crash dummy out there. You got guys running at you. 20, 25 miles per hour. You got 20, 25 mile per hour vehicles coming at your ass, and you're going to put Glass Man back here at Palm Returner? Fuck out of here. Don't even make sense. Think about it. That's one of the most physical positions on special teams that's in the NFL. You know, your gunners are physical. Your Palm Returners are physical. That's a physical position. You don't put a guy like Glass Man, Kyle Phillips, at Palm Return. Just, just say you ain't never played football before. You know, that's that's common sense. If you ask any former football player or if you I guarantee it, if you talk to a Titans player right now, anonymously, if you talk to a Titans player right now and they know this man, Kyle Phillips, they know he injury prone. You know, everybody just everybody ain't cut out to be in the NFL and take a beating, you know, 17, going get in a car crash 17 times a year at the minimum. Everybody just ain't built to do that. If you ask one of them NFL, one of them Titans players right now. Do y'all think he'll last the full season as a punt returner? I bet you 90% of them will say, hell no. Just because that's not him. That's not, he don't have the, I ain't going to say him. Well, yeah, he ain't got the body type for it. He's, he's smaller, you know, more, a little, he's quicker. But you still got to have some meat on your bones. He, he don't have that. He's just, he ain't really developed into as a, you know, a, a stockish. And he's, that's never going to be him. But. He just doesn't have that frame to be able to take that beating every game, not alone, let alone the, the beating as a receiver. But I'm talking the beating that comes with being a punt returner also, and you're not coming off the field after you take that lick. Your ass is running right back to the huddle. You're not coming off the field. That's the difference. You put a guy like Kiaris Jackson out there, a punt returner, he's coming off the field after he takes that lick. But you got if you got Kyle Phillips out there, glass man, he's coming, and he's going right back into the huddle after he takes a lick like that. You can't do that. He he's not built for that. And that brings me to my next my next topic of is Kyle Phillips even built to be a Tennessee Titans wide receiver? You know, I'm I'm not a, I'm not even a negative Nancy. Y'all y'all know all the all the uh, the hype train I was on with Malik Willis and how positive I am with him and Levis. You know, we 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 got something there. We got something to work with there. 
and they've proven that they can, well, they ain't really played, but they're durable. They're, they don't have a, a history of injuries and being out. Well, Levis is a fucking warrior. He played through a broken toe or, you know, something like that last year at Kentucky on a shitty team. You know, Willis hasn't had a history, history of injuries. This is different with Kyle Phillips. This guy hasn't played none but maybe three or four games as in his career in the NFL. Counting pre, I can't even say count preseason games, but at least three or four regular season games. The dude is just not durable, you know, and that was something as soon as people and fans laid eyes on Kyle Phillips, they, the first thought is, damn, he's a little small. He's a little skinny. Of course, and you got the, all the cape that, that you see of Kyle Phillips. Oh, he's, he don't have to be built like that. He's durable. He can take hits. I don't see it. And, you know, anybody that's, that's watched football for a good while can look at the man and see that he's not built as sturdy as he can be. You know, and you don't put somebody like that at punt return. That's that's some dumb shit right there. Excuse my language. That's dumb shit. But back to what I was saying. Kyle Phillips, he can't he can't be a punt returner. He does not give us value at punt returner. He's not finna house one. He's not. He going all he gonna do is go up there and go like this. That's all he finna do. Glass man finna go like that. He's he don't add value at punt return. Last year we had him at punt return. He dropped every fucking thing. He don't add value there. You got a guy like Kiaris Jackson who adds value at punt return, especially over what we had in previous years. He's quick. He's fast. He can break one. Kyle Phillips cannot break one. You know, all he can do is throw his hands up and call a fair catch, and we hope he don't drop the shit like he's been dropping it. So Kyle Phillips doesn't add value in special teams. Receiving-wise, what does he add value? What does he add value offensively at if he's not on the field? You know, he's not on the field at all. We've seen we we ain't barely seen him. The only time we've seen him is when he looks like a wide receiver one when he's doing ladder and cone drills. That's the only time I've seen him. And that's the only time he looked like he's a, a wide receiver two or one. Any other time, he's an injury prone wide receiver three slash four. And that's just three because our receiving core is not the best. If you put him on any other receiving core, he'd be closer to a four. We got one of the worst receiving cores even with Hop. We got a bottom tier receiver core from top to bottom, you know? So what value does Kyle Phillips add to the Titans, especially from the, from the, uh, the trainer's table, you know, that, that has to be taken into account. Titans fans and, and Phillips sympathizers, you can't be, you can't like, it's important to look into the future of a player. And that takes it, that goes, that takes into account your evaluation of a player, but it can't be 95% of what you think and how you evaluate that player. 95% or close to at least 80% of what people see in Kyle Phillips is his potential to be a what? Uh, a solid slot receiver? What's that? Yeah, those are coming dime a dozen. Look at what he is now. An injured wide receiver three that only looks like a two when he's doing cone drills. Come on. We got to, you know, we got to get out of this mind state of always for guys that have been in the league two, three years are looking into the future of what they are. Cause there ain't no future in the NFL. There ain't unless you're a perennial superstar. There's no future in the NFL. It's all about the now these guys are signing four year contracts. What is the future in a four year contract? The last year when he's playing on a contract, then you got to find another one. So, you know, we, I think sometimes fans put fans and analysts, both. It's not just a fan thing. People put too much weight into the future 
like they do in other sports. That's applicable for other sports. That's applicable for, for basketball, applicable for baseball, you know, applicable for soccer too, because they start a lot younger than the NFL. But the NFL, there really ain't no future, man. You got four-year contracts. A lot of people ain't even lasting them four-year contracts. They cut by then. It's a numbers game. And a guy like Kyle Phillips, a sentimental attachment to him, I don't know where the hell it comes from because he ain't proving shit on the field outside of cone drills. So, you know, that I got to get, I had to get that off my chest, especially I'm tired of hearing about this guy Kyle Phillips returning punts. I don't want to see that shit ever again. Because if you put him out there on punt returns, you ain't going to see him ever again. So, you know, it's, that's, that's the thing, man. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about, Lorenzo. You got to keep it 100 with Kyle, man. You, he's a good, he's a solid rotational piece at best, man. And that's just what it is. We got to try and constantly improve their receiver room and relying on guys like Kyle Phillips ain't going to improve it. That's what gets us in the predicament that we in now, where we, you know, one injury away from Burks or Hopkins to the season being rough to where Vrabel got to, got to, you know, manage the hell out of the team like he's had to do for the last year or so. We don't want to have to put Vrabel in that position where he's got to spend a lot of his energy managing the team, just getting these boys in the position to win and be competitive, getting practice squad players three or four days before the game, putting all that energy into getting them up to speed just so we can have a, a chance at competing. We got to have these people in place to where we're adding on each week. Vrabel's actually able to do some coaching, you know what I mean? And the position coaches are able to improve these players, not bring people up to speed. That's just what it is, man. Yeah, Adoree Jackson is another one. That's, you know, that's, that's that J-Rob era stuff, man. Uh, drafting players uh, could be, could be, instead of, you know, relying a lot. He relied a lot on projectiles and their projectable tools, which is understandable. You get a lot of value doing that way, but you got to have a balance with the tools that players currently have and are displaying their physical traits versus what they can have in the future. Dory was one of them guys, and he's still struggling. He had a, you know, he had a good year in New York, but, you know, he, he didn't live up to the expectations that he had coming out of USC. I think everybody can agree with that. And, you know, he, he was injury prone towards the end of his tenure with us. So just, just another injury prone player that we've had. And, you know, you can't just, you can't just ride on the Titans organization for only, you know, looking at injury prone players or having a tendency to take an injury prone, injury prone players. Cause we got a guy like big Jeff coming off an ACL injury out of Mississippi state that way. So, you know, there's some give and take to it, but it's bit us in the ass more often than not. And that's just something we got to get away from. And that's something that uh, Carthon doesn't look like he's really bought into that way of thinking. He's about the tools you have now versus your future. Tajay Spears is the number one, uh, number one example of that, of the tools you have now versus your projectable future. Carthon, as much as anybody knows, the future. In the NFL, ain't the future. It's more of the, the next, next year slash present. With a guy like Tajay Spears, he ain't got no future in the NFL, no 10-year back, more than likely. The guy ain't got a meniscus or he ain't got no ACL. You know, his legs is all mangled up. He's got arthritis in his knees. He's a here, now, back. And you can tell when you get a guy like that a here, now, back, they come in and they produce and they affect the team immediately. This guy, Tajay Spears, is going to be a big part of what we do offensively on third downs at the very minimum. You know, we can bring Henry off the field at third down, and we got a back that can back catch the ball out the backfield, that can hold up in pass pro, 
He's just gonna he gonna have to cut a DN to somebody because he ain't gonna take him head up. He'll just cut a DN. But you know we've got a true gadgetish third down back that we can just throw a swing pass to. It. He can get his ten or twelve. That's gonna be really important when you're trying to move the chains. That's what Kyle Phillips is supposed to be a chain mover. You know, but we had to get a, a receiver in a similar. They're not they're not even comparable, but the way they play the receiver position similar in hop, just a chain mover. You know what I mean? That's what Phillips is supposed to be is a chain mover. And the only thing he's moving is his ankle up and down when the motherfucker's getting taped. Like, come on, man. That's the problem. But, you know, I ain't got no problem with drafting projects. Malik's a project, but have a player in place ahead of them to where all the pressure's not on the project to succeed immediately. You know, that that defeats the purpose of a project if you're going to draft him and just throw him in there before he's, you know, where he needs to be. Another another good thing that Carthens done. We've got a project in the kicker in K York. Kicker that struggled a little bit, you know, mentally. And you know, kicker's kicking is all mental. He's struggling a bit mentally. We signed him to the practice squad as a project. Okay. We trade for Nick Folk from New England. He's our guy right now. He's gonna give us value at the kicking spot right now. K York is a project that we hope to to rehabilitate and to have right. That way he takes over for uh for Nick Polk. Or Nick Folk, I keep, I think it's Polk, but that's the that's the way you deal with projects, and that's how these these teams deal with projects, like these roster building teams, like Baltimore, like San Francisco, these teams that ain't splashing out a bunch of money, and New England way back in the day. That's how you build a roster is you draft these projects behind Folk. Yeah, appreciate it, Lorenzo. You draft these projects behind proven starters. You know that's how you get it done. You know, we we drafted and they did it. They did it with uh, Simmons. If you really remember, we drafted Simmons while we still had Jarrell Casey, who was a, a dog. Simmons was I ain't gonna say he was a project. He was one of the most talented players coming out that draft. But there was an unknown with his ACL with Jarrell Casey there. That takes pressure off Simmons to come in and produce away right away. Simmons just being a dog. He is came in and produced right away. But, you know, that. That's the type of construction you have to have as a GM, and that's what works in the NFL is drafting. If you're going to get a look at a project, have a guy in front of them that's already ready, playing, producing, adding value to the team. But, uh, but yeah, man, that's, that's my rant on Kyle Phillips, man. This dude, I'm tired of seeing people say he should be a punt returner when he can't even stay on the field as a damn regular receiver that ain't even doing all, all four downs. That's another one, Lorenzo. You on it today, man. Drafted Hooker while we have Vaccaro. Vaccaro's adding value as is. We we bring in a young guy in Hooker. Ready. You know, I, they might be trying to do that with Molden, with Bayard. You know, it's just they, they move Bayard or move Molden to safety to play that sort of free, rangy, cerebral role that Bayard plays because Molden fits that. That that fits Molden. Molden's one of the smartest players we got defensively in that secondary you can utilize that talent in that buyer role where you allow him to roam and just dissect, dissect the quarterback and just read the eyes of the quarterback and be, be cerebral and instinctive. That's molding. But same thing with Hooker. Right on. That's why we're in a bit of predicament with our... With our we need molding to come good at the safety position because we're going to have to replace one of these guys in the next year or so. I'm thinking... I'm leaning towards it being, it being Hooker that we replace. I'd like it to be hooker and we draft a, a you know a strong safety, somebody like the cat coming out of uh 
Florida, I want to say. I forget his name. Tabor, I think. No, 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 no. The cat out of Miami. The bigger safety out of Miami. That's what I want us to, to replace uh, Hooker with. But yeah, man, moving on. Moving on. Uh, another, another guy that we have, Dylan Radins. Shout out to Dylan Radins, man. He, catch, he caught a lot of hell from the fan base. And he caught a lot of hell from me about, you know, just not producing once we drafted him and such. But this guy's came back from his ACL injury quick. I don't even, his ACL injury was towards the end of the year last year. You know, it was November, December-ish, I think, when his ACL injury was. Y'all let me know in the chat when his ACL injury was. But it was later in the season. This guy's already back uh, at practicing. He's not on the PUP list. He's not on the injury reserve list. So that means he's going to be, he's going to have a role in these first four games. Already back from an ACL injury. Um, he started practicing earlier in the week, and he started getting involved in team team stuff by Wednesday. So shout out to Dylan Raiders, man, working his ass off, coming back from that ACL injury rehabbing. I saw videos of him during drills. He looks good, man. He looks, he still has, you know, a little bit of, he ain't lost, it don't look like he's lost a step. He looks really good. And, you know, that's something that we need to, we need to talk about with the Titan strength and conditioning team. December. It was late, man. It was late in the game. So, you know, I know we, we give the Titans strength and conditioning team a ton of flack with the soft tissue injuries and just their, their handling of our players over the last couple of years. We've been one of the most injured teams in the league, but the conversation has got to be had about their ability to return these guys from ACL injuries. Lawan's separate because Lawan is blaming it. If you remember, Lawan's talked about it at length about his, uh, his ACL surgery being possibly botched by the doctor. So I'm throwing that out of this bucket. But I'm talking about our last two players, starters, or, you know, parts, really productive parts of this team that have had ACL injuries that have come back looking very good. Raiden's come back, comes back early. Harold Landry comes back looking explosive also. Landry ain't a young spring chicken that tore his ACL. He's in his, his late, late 20s. So that, that's late in the game for the NFL. But our strength and conditioning team with the ability to, one, get Raiden's back so quick and to where he looks healthy and get Landry back to where he's able to ease right into the season. And he actually started the offseason as if nothing nothing had happened. So, you know, we got to give the kudos. I know we give the strength and conditioning team a lot of flack and Jeff, too. We give the we give the conditioning and strength and conditioning team a ton of flack, rightfully so. They got to be held accountable for how bad our our injuries and roster situation has been throughout the season. But the offseason work and rehabilitating these guys from ACL injuries has to be commended. It has to be commended because they're doing a hell of a job with it. Jeff, Landry, and most recently, Raidens. You know, so y'all let me know in the comments what y'all think about the Titan strength and conditioning team with ACL injuries in particular. But also overall, man, we, we tend to harp on the negative with them. But give them their, give them their due praise. When we have guys like Raiden's coming back months, months ahead of schedule with ACL and serious ACL injuries, you know, give them their, give them their respect with that, man. Get them their stuff. What else? What else? There's a couple waiver wire pickups that the Titans had. They picked up Travis Gibson. I don't know if y'all remember the, uh, the bears preseason game, that edge guy that was tearing us up, tearing Rupsich up. I think it was Rupsich. He was tearing up. Two, three sacks against the Titans in that preseason game where we got him on waivers from Chicago along with a guy named Kendall 
Vildor, Kendall Vildor, DB from Chicago. Picked them both up on waivers. Gibson is another good addition to this edge edge group with Landry, Weaver. Weaver is sort of, he's a, he's a, I can't even say he's fully on the edge. He plays a lot on the edge, but we line him up a lot on the, as a, like as a, a five-ish tech two inside a little bit. But Weaver, Landry, Arden Key, Murphy, and Gibson. And I think I'm missing one more. That's a solid edge group we have there, especially if Arden Key comes into his own and his form carries over the good performances he's had in training camp and joint practices into the season. We have a solid edge group, a malleable edge group too, to where we can move guys around and really be a true multiple front. Like Vrabel said in his very first press conference that he preaches multiplicity on the back or on the front and complexity in the back with coverages and mixing up the fronts to confuse quarterbacks. If you can confuse quarterbacks on the back end with the coverages and then you can confuse the offensive line with having multiple fronts, having guys line up all over the place along that along that front seven, that's where our defense comes in. You know, that's what really makes our defense get up to that top three, top five, like Lorenzo says, get up to that level that we expect them to be and like they expect themselves to be. Sean Murphy Bunn said they want to be number one in all the categories in the league this year. I think they can get to being number one in a couple categories in the league and be one of the best defenses in the league. We got a great defensive mind in Vrabel, and we have a great defense to carry out those responsibilities. Great front seven, a very good safety group, and a corner group that is going to rely on that that defensive line to get pressure on the quarterback. But they're young and they're growing into their own. So it's the corner group is improved from years prior, just from top to bottom in itself. With Murphy, the addition of Murphy Button helps a lot. So you got Murphy Button and Fulton on the outside, and then you got McCreary and Avery. Uh, battling out on the inside, possibly molding. So, you know, that it's going to be very interesting to see what this defense was. We saw what they did against New England, forcing two turnovers, I think two turnovers and a three and out. So, you know, very, very promising that defense, and they're going to be the ones that wins those games, man. It's going to be between, yeah, like I've said a ton of times, this offense, all I want from them is 21 to 24 points at a minimum. If they can give us that, we're going to win a lot of football games because teams are not going to be scoring at will against us defensively. You know, we just need the offense to put up 21, 24 points, and we're going to have a chance against anybody. Chiefs, I don't give a damn who it is. We'll have a chance as long as we put up that amount of points. But yeah, Chris Harris, Lorenzo talks says, says I love Chris Harris, DB coach. He's bringing back Kerry Coons vibes. Yeah, Chris Harris had a lot of uh, defensive coordinator interviews right after we hired him. So we got a good steal in Chris Harris. I don't think he's going to last long, man. And Kerry Coons, I love me some Kerry Coons, man. The enthusiasm that Kerry Coons, he's at, I think he's at Ohio State now. I don't know if he, no, I think he's left Ohio State. He went, he went to Ohio State after us. I think he's left since then. But the enthusiasm that Coons showed in those early variable years just really gave you a breath of fresh air on that sideline. You'll see him in the camera shots running up and down the sideline. Older guy, white hair. Like, who the hell is this? He really was part of that culture change that that we had uh, in the early Vrabel years that he doesn't get a lot of credit for. But Coombs is one of those guys that was really important in early years, man. Very important. Very important guy. But that defense, man, I'm expecting a lot of big things from the Titans defense this year, man. I'm excited to see where they go. I'm expecting a big year. Like I was telling, I'm telling Trail. A big year is coming out of Tierra Tart, man. 
is a contract year. He already got Rosenhaus as his agent. You know, Rosenhaus is in his ear. Tart is finna ball out this year, man. If he stays healthy, Tart will ball out. Mark my words. And we're going to have some discussions about paying him. You know, Autry, this could be Autry's last year. I think this is Autry's either his last year on his contract or a year where we have a very friendly out with, uh, with his contract. And he's making around eight-ish million a year. I could see, I could very easily, very easily see us sliding that eight mil that we give Autry, giving it to Tart, you, to, you know, on a deal. These guys like Tart, and culture-wise, you need to, you need to have one or two of these undrafted guys that you find undrafted through the scouting department that you pay, like Tier Tart, not just for the team and the undrafted guys that are coming year over year. Seeing like, hey, he was un- he was a UDFA guy, and he worked his ass off. The Titans pay him. I can do that. Not only for them players coming in, but the scouts. Affirmation for them scouts. Hey, keep doing keep doing your job as a scout, finding us these undrafted guys, and us being able to get value off them off the bat, and then also pay them for that second contract. That just reverberates throughout the whole organization as a whole. When you get undrafted guys like Tier Tart and others that we've had that perform at a high level and you end up paying them, giving them that second contract, not only for the player himself, but the next group of undrafted guys and the scouts throughout that building that validates all the hard work they have done in those, in those months and those grinding, grinding off season months. And even throughout the season, scouting don't stop throughout the season, the grind that they put in. When you see a guy like that, that affirms all that. Got a ton of cap space coming up next year, man. And we still got hop on the books. Tannehill's off the books, but we're going to see with the quarterback situation. Tannehill will be 36, 37, I think. I wouldn't mind giving him a one-year deal depending on one or two-year deal depending on his performance this year, man. He's got to perform, man. It's up to him. But, you know, it also depends on where Levis and Willis are at in their development process. You know, so we're, we're in a pretty good predicament going into next year. Always thought, and when we got Carton, always looked at this year as a bogey year anyway. Just because of the cap situation where J. Rob left us at, he needs to be sued for what he did. I ain't gonna lie; they gotta find a way to, to, to get J. Rob about something, man. But, uh, the, this is always looked at for me as a bogey year. Of you know, we still want to compete. We ain't gonna tank because we don't have it in them, had it in us. But you know, it's gonna be a down year for us. You, I'd rather have one down year than ten terrible years to get a franchise quarterback. You know, we we can still or just to win a Super Bowl or whatever, just to compete for Super Bowls. I'd rather have this one down year like we're going to have this year than have 10 bad ones like we've had in the, in the you know, the late, the mid-2000s. But that's what this is, and I always, I always figured it would be. It's just a bogey year, just a Carthen to get his, get his bearings, and then next year we run all at it with all the cap space we have and the team we've turned over and made them a lot younger. This team growing as a whole, that secondary growing, we'll have to find a way to pay Fulton if he performs as he should. Have to find a way to pay him. Big Jeff is in his prime. Henry should still be Henry next year, I'd imagine. But we got Taze Spears a year better. And we'll have Hop and Burks to be in his third year and be, should be balling by that time. Next year, Titans fans, is the year where we can really have some, some expectations and show our chest a little bit. This year, you know, we... We it's a bogey year, man. You know, we we should win, you know, 10. I'm still predicting 10, 11 games won, but the playoffs is going to be different. 
Next year, we're going to win shit 12, and the playoffs is going to be even more different. Mahomes and them boys are going to be in trouble next year. I ain't going to lie to you. They're going to be in trouble next year. Them boys going to be in trouble. Hell yeah, man. Just like, just like he was on J-Rob. Yeah, man. He know he stay up the street. Think Percy Ridge or something like that. Somebody got to go have a conversation with J-Rob, man. Just, just have, some, have some questions for him. That's all I want. Somebody just ask him a couple questions. Because he's on some bullshit. Speaking of being on bullshit, we got this man, Jim Ursay, Colts owner. This man, I don't know what, I, I know he be on them, I know he be tooting, I, I can't even say the man be tooting powder or whatever he tooting, or smoking crack. I don't know what Jim Ursay is doing. But, so, just to give a little rundown for those that don't know, Jim Ursay, DUI having owner of the Indianapolis Colts, had a public spat with Jonathan Taylor, their star player, their number one running back, best player on the team, you know? He's up on the trading block. They say they're going to trade him, try and trade him before the pseudo deadline in the offseason before they got to put him on the, on the IR, the short-term IR for four games because he's injured with his ankle still. But two teams are interested. One team in Miami who was vocally interested in the media, and then a second team that was it came out later on after the fact they were interested, but they offered a pretty decent package for him too. And were willing, both teams were willing to pay Jonathan Taylor market value as a running back, like a top paying running back. So Ursay has already come out and said that he is willing to trade him. They're wanting to find find a deal for him for, you know, him and Ballard said that in so many words. These go these guys, the Colts, excuse me. And Ursay in particular are talking to the Dolphins for a trade. And I'm going to read off what they what they asked the Dolphins for in a trade. The Colts, this is from Dove Clydman, who's it's from a couple couple sources. Omar Kelly from Sports Illustrated and Florida Sports of Us. The Colts asked the Dolphins for Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle in a trade for Jonathan Taylor. That shit ain't happening for one. That, that's that crack I'm talking about, Ursay. Ursay was smoking or that dog. I don't know what he's on. You know, I don't even condone. I don't condone drug usage. But Ursay is a user. Confirmed. You know, he is a user. And he, he's letting the shit seep into his work. Asking for trades like this. That ain't the end of it. They didn't just ask for Waddle, though. They asked for Waddle. The, the, the good D tackle they got down, my, down there in Miami. Crystal Wilkins. And Robert Hunt. The guard they got. The hell is wrong with the Colts? Why do they think they're gonna get this for 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 uh, Jonathan Taylor? If they don't want to pay the guy and they don't value him that much to to pay him, why do they think they can get much, that much for him on the trade market? Come on, now this shit don't make sense. And they wanted a second round pick on top of that. What is going on? I'm losing my voice talking talking about this man Jim Irsay. So they wanted Waddle, Wilkins, Hunt, and a second round pick for Jonathan Taylor. Man, what's wrong with Jim Irsay? Man, y'all let me know. What's wrong with Jim Irsay, man? And yet, hey, man, I ain't gonna lie. Chat, Lorenzo said the coach tanking for Harrison Jr. Hey, man, Harrison Jr. is that guy. And I can see that happening. That's a sad thing. And if they get him, they still gonna be the Colts. But they gonna have some weapons out there. I don't know what Pittman's contracts look like. But if you got Pittman and Harrison Jr. out there, they could, they could cause some problems. You know, I would be worried if they didn't have a running back playing quarterback. A legit running back. People say this shit about Lamar, but nah, Richardson's a running back for real, man. But Jim Irsay, man, what's wrong with you, man? What's wrong with you? You need to stay, like Stephen A said, stay off the 
crack. Not even weed. You you done moved on from, from weed. Stay off the crack, Jim Irsay. For real. All right, enough NFL talk. Enough NFL talk. We're going to end this up. We're going to finish this off with the Angels, man. Probably about 10, 15 more minutes. If that about the Angels are really something wrong with them, man. Yeah, that is that is a hell of a drug. And that's what that's what Ursay's probably on, Lorenzo. But Angels, man. So LA Angels, one of the probably the worst organization in baseball, I'd imagine. And it's not even close. You know, and you can talk about the A's all you want with them getting up leaving Oakland and them not spending no money. Talking about, yeah, at least the Angels spend money. But I'd rather a team not spend money and not waste the shit versus what the Angels are doing. What the Angels are doing. I mean, I love to trade for them. We don't have the picks, though. We traded away a lot of picks last year. But the Angels here, man, the L.A. Angels. So the trade deadline, they said we're, we're all in for Otani and Trout. We're trying to make it to the World Series. We, we're going to get Giolito. We're going to trade away our number two and number three prospect in the farm system for Giolito. <clears throat> and we're going to make a run at the World Series. We're going to make a run at the playoffs. Hell no, man. Hell no. So it comes out on the 29th, a couple days ago, right after we recorded the Monday show. The Angels, who traded for Giolito at the deadline, placed five. Is it five? Let me see. Giolito, Matt Moore, Ronaldo Lopez, Renfro, and Gritchard. Five players on waivers. And the MLB, for those that don't know, you place them on waivers, you're basically dumping their salary, releasing them. It's just like the NFL, but you don't get any comp back at all. So they traded their number two and number three prospect for Giolito, and then not even a month later, put him on waivers and released him. Crazy. All they're doing is saving his salary. So he gets claimed by Cleveland. Cleveland claimed most of the players. Gritchick didn't get claimed. And Leon, another player they had on waivers, got signed, got claimed by the Mariners. But what is going on in L.A. with the Angels, man? They put these players, they trade for, trade for Giolito, throw them on waivers within a month. They got Otani crying. Otani's torn his torn his UCL. I don't know if he's torn it, but he has a UCL injury. Unfortunately, it looks like he might need Tommy John. But I'm gonna ask the chat and the comments on YouTube. Anybody, is this the worst trade deadline decision as a whole? The all these decisions is this the worst trade deadline by an MLB team in the history of baseball in the hundred plus years? In the damn 130 years that we had the MLB, I don't think they had, tra- had trade deadlines back then, but in the 130 years, is this the worst decision that a team has made of not cashing in on Tani, trying to throw all the chips into the center of the poker table? And then after you go, you know, you crap out, throwing the chips out, out of the damn crap table. That's what they done done. That's what they done done. They done put all their chips, all their money on the table, on the pass line. They rolled a seven, and before the dealer could take it, they took their chips and threw them up in the air like confetti. That's what the Angels just did, man. If you're a gambler, you know what I'm talking about. If you know, you know. That's what the Angels just did, man. Something's wrong with them. And I feel bad for Otani. I feel bad for MLB fans in general. We ain't seen Trout in the playoffs number once, and we ain't seen Otani in the playoffs at all. And that's because of that terrible organization out there in L.A., in the L.A. Angels, man. Just pathetic. And I know the MLB is pissed because I know I'd be pissed if two of my best players ain't been in the playoffs at all in the last decade. That's like having Mahomes and Tom Brady and neither one of them in the playoffs. You just, as a league, you got to be pissed. You got to be pissed, man. You know, 
It's just it's just ridiculous because those are perennial superstars of the game that literally grow the game that bring average viewers, people that don't watch baseball at all. They bring them to stadiums. They bring them to cut the TV on. And in October, they're bringing people to the game and bringing them to cut the TV on. Guys of that talent and caliber, they are they are bottom line movers. But you can't move the bottom line if they're at home uh, working out because they ain't made the playoffs because their team is is conducting malpractice as an organization. You know, it's just pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic what's going on there in L.A. And Otani's got to get as far away from the Angels as possible, man. Trout, too. Trout looked like he don't even care about baseball no more. He's out with Tiger Woods designing golf courses. Trout National. Shout out to Mike Trout, too. That's major. But designing golf courses with Tiger Woods, he ain't even worried about baseball no more. I don't blame him. If I was with the organi- Angels organization, I'd be out trying to get on the PGA Tour. Fuck the Angels. You know what I mean? That's what I would try to do. But, yeah, man. Y'all let me know in the comments what y'all think about the Angels. Let me know in the comments what y'all think about the Titans, the waiver wire pickups they have for the Titans. What else do we do we hit on? Let me know what y'all think about glass man Kyle Phillips. Man, y'all let me know about him, man. Honestly, because I can't be the only one that feels like that about Kyle Phillips. That's a realist that is looking at Kyle Phillips for what he is and not what he could potentially be when he gets off the the, the trainer's table. You know, I, I gotta see it. I can't just be I can't just be confident, you know, going to bat for my player like Kyle Phillips talking shit to fans about a guy that only looks like a wide receiver too when he's doing cone and ladder drills. You know, I, I can't do that as with the integrity. I'm a I'm a man of integrity. I'm shameless. Don't get me wrong. I don't think Stroud, Stroud and, and Richardson are shitty. I'd rather have Levis, but I can't get on board with Kyle Phillips, man. I just can't do it. I can't do it. Y'all let me know in the comments what y'all think about that. What y'all think about Jim Irsay smoking and staying off the weed about him and the Angels, man. But that'll be it. We're going to sign out. Make sure y'all are on the lookout for the Exit One show. We posted episode six. I think it's episode six on streaming services. It's all on streaming services. We had a hell of an episode. It's on Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, Exit One show. No spaces. Y'all type that in. It's presented by TFTV Sports. Uh, we'll be doing... We'll be doing a watch along of the Titans game next week on YouTube and Twitch live watch along the Titans versus Saints. And then we'll, of course, we'll be having our fan sites after the game and exit one show episode seven to be out on Tuesday. But y'all know that on the next episode of next episode of the sports section morning show, this will be out on YouTube. This will be on all streaming services, just like the exit one show momentarily. Appreciate y'all joining. Appreciate y'all commenting. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all just being fans of TFTV. And us being able to talk about sports, man. So make sure y'all follow us on socials at TFTV Sports on all socials and then on Instagram at TFTV.sports. We've got articles. We're going to have articles coming to y'all. I've got somebody that will be writing articles for the Titans. Weekly articles at the very minimum could possibly get two articles coming in. And then also we'll be starting a film series with TFTV previewing games, reviewing games uh, that we have coming up. And looking back into the past the games we've played, a lot of content coming to y'all for TFTV, but y'all ain't going to see it unless y'all follow us. So follow us on all the socials, TikTok, Instagram, or not Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, Facebook, TFTV Sports, Instagram, TFTV.Sports. Appreciate y'all, man. Let's get it.